Fulhamish is brought to you by NordVPN, a way of accessing sports matches, TV shows and films which aren't available in your region by switching your virtual location to a country which is showing the event. For instance, if you want to follow the Ashes or the Formula One this summer whilst you're on holiday using your existing subscriptions, you can do that just by flicking back your location to the UK. Or if you find a channel overseas that shows the sports matches you want at a much cheaper price, you can flick your location over to there and get around the geo blocks that are in place. NordVPN is roughly the same price as a cup of coffee a month and you can very easily make your money back with the savings you'll find on subscriptions, flights and so many other things. Right now, you can grab an exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash Fulhamish to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus a bonus gift. Best of all, it's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Once again, that's nordvpn.com slash Fulhamish. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish podcast. Hello listeners and welcome to the Fulhamish Transfer Show, your one-stop shop for all things Fulham in this transfer window. My name is Jack Collins and I'll be your host today here on Fulhamish and joining me, it's both parts of the famous crew, the Jack and Joe Show. First up, Mr Jack Kelly, how are you doing mate? I'm very well, how are you Jack? I'm very well, I'm very, very well. There's a lot of J's going on on the podcast once again this week. Mr Joe Sansom, how are you doing my friend? Yeah, very well as well. Thanks, Jack. All good, all good. And our transfer insider, Mr. Dean Jones. How's it going, mate? Hello, lads. Yeah, very good, very good. Uh, All these signings we're making, eh? Very exciting stuff. Yeah, absolutely. There are loads and loads of rumours to get through this week. We're going to flip it round from last week. We're going to start with the ins today. We're going to start with the positives, which is always a little bit more fun. And there's a load of names to get through. So let's start with one that seems to have been picking up a little bit of pace in the last couple of days. And one that kind of came out of the blue, Dean. Lucas Campos from Sevilla was a player who was loaned out from Sevilla, looked like he didn't have a future there at the start of last season, went to Ajax. That didn't really work, came back and made a real impression on Sevilla, especially in the closing half of of that Europa League campaign, which they were ultimately victorious in. But it did look like the club were ready to move on from him. And I don't think it's any major surprise that he's been touted for transfer this summer. Yeah, um... I was quite happy with this link and I've checked with a couple of people and there's definitely some substance to it. So that's quite exciting. Um, Whether we get it over the line or not, obviously uh, will be interesting, but I'm just happy to say that there seems to be some uh, genuine truth in the fact that we're interested in the player. So I I like that. Obviously we do need to add some competition in in attack. Um, At the moment, there's obviously a couple of players up there with uncertainty around them, but yeah, he's he's got a bit of versatility to him as well. And um, yeah, something a bit different from what we had last season, I think. Now, we won't be the only team interested in him. I think we should probably uh, be, be prepared for that straight away. Um, I've heard that Aston Villa also like him. Now, um, I don't know how far they've pushed it so far, but I've heard he was one of the, the names that's cropped up there in the last couple of weeks. And we know that with Aston Villa, they want two good strong players in every position like that's the big plan under Emery so they're going to go very strong in this transfer window but look we've got the lure of having a very strong season ourselves last year and the pull of London and all the rest of it so yeah I really like the transfer rumour and 
I'm happy with the calls I've made so far and the messages that I've made to check it out that seem to suggest that it's possible. Hmm. It's an interesting one, Joe. I mean, he's a player who's had a pretty solid career, I think, with Sevilla. He's been, you know, a bright spark for them for, for quite some years. He moved from Marseille to Sevilla. So, I mean, he's done it in La Liga. He's done it in Liga. He's had a go, obviously, in the Eredivisie of late. He plays in Serie A for AC Milan very briefly and also Genoa, where he did okay. There's lots kind of kicking along here. Maybe the Premier League feels like a natural destination for him to kind of try it at what is realistically a relatively prime age of 28. I I think that's it. And I think what Dean said about the London pull as well, we saw it with Polina last year. We do have the luxury of being able to take these players away from clubs that are fighting for maybe slightly higher honours than ourselves at this point in time. Um, And I think it'd be a great signing. I think that when you think of the squad last year and how we are looking to improve that, uh, I'm thinking of it in a very simple way in my brain, which obviously doesn't work. But you think Dan James out going back to Leeds, not sure about Willian and Solomon yet. So we'll see what happens there. But this is filling that void uh, in terms of the amount of players we've got in the squad, the amount of wingers we've got. Cabano not signed up yet either. Um, and on paper, it's just a big upgrade in terms of quality. And that is what we were speaking about last year, week, sorry, not last year, well, maybe last year as well, but about raising the the floor of the squad. Um, and this would be a great way of doing that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. He's obviously a, an incredibly talented footballer. Jack, I'm going to mention something here that is going to become a relative theme, I think, of this episode. But Acampos is 28 right now, 29 in a couple of weeks. He, he is in his prime in so many ways in, in his football career. However, I am a little bit concerned about the age profile of this Fulham squad. And, you know, we look at the players being linked and we'll talk a little bit more about the likes of Ward Prowse, about the likes of Mina, like the likes of Fred. These are all players in this similar kind of age group, you know, that sort of 27 to 30 slot. And I'm a little bit concerned about the fact that we tend to skew towards the older. Now, it's not a problem in the short term, but it does mean that the turnover in the squad at some point in the next couple of years might well be quite high. Yeah, I think you're right. And it depends on, on what sort of contract we tie these sort of players down to, whether it be two, three, four years. And it indicates whether they're a long-term project or a short-term project. And I think um, what was worrying was in 13, 14, when we first went down, what, 10 years ago, the profile of the squad was extremely um, old. And the average, I think our, we had like the oldest uh, squad average in terms of age in the Premier League that season we went down. Um, I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong in buying players in their prime at the age of 27, 28, 29. Um, however, it's not necessarily a, a strategy that I think that is going to be long-term successful for us because I think younger players... like The thing is, we've had so many good young players come in in the past... Um, but they've never had to, they've never got to blossom at Fulham because of their coming to the academy and then the likes of other other clubs come and take them away from us, Mr. Dembele, Carvalho, Pat Roberts. Um, so, so you know, it's been frustrating for us in the past, um, but hopefully um, a, a player like Lucas Acampos at, at 28 would be a good buy for us. And I, I think that um, if we were to get players in at that age for a couple of years and then sort of change the, the, the model, the system of how we recruit 
that would that would be fine for me. I think, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's exactly the kind of profile of signings we should be looking at. I and mean, for a second season in the Premier League, I mean, I don't, I don't want to see us uh, looking to take too many risks here. And, uh, and I think that Fulham won't take risks. And, and I don't want to build too far for the future because we've learned that we don't stay in this league for very long, typically. We want to be changing that. And the way that we're going to change that is to get some some proper nous in this squad and some experienced head that know how to deal with situations. And, um, you know, I think primarily Fulham will continue to look to the Premier League for for players that they where they can sense some value and they, they look for some experience within the league. But to go to somebody like a Campos who's got, you know, he's got something special about him um, is is ideal. I mean, you think of the players that, that were thriving for us last season. Well, it was it was Willian, he was like 35. You had uh, Tim Ream, who's 35. Leno, who's 31. Like, actually, they're our best players, the older ones, last season. So um, I don't have a problem with it. I understand, like, long term. But I think we can start to look at that once we're actually established in this league again like we're not at the moment like we had a really good first season but we've seen what happened with Leeds like I, I don't want us messing with the philosophy of the club at the moment I really don't want Marco Silva to leave I want us to have strong foundations to make sure that we get through the second season yeah yeah I mean, I mean we'll talk about Silva's contract situation in, in part two alongside some of the potential exits but I, I think we should we'll stick on on incomings and, and look you're talking there about incomings with Premier League experience. I'm about to rattle off an absolute shed load of them. So so that makes life a little bit more calm in that regard. I'll start with James Ward-Prowse. It was one that excited a lot of Fulham fans over the weekend. Obviously, we saw JWP's dead ball expertise in action when he rattled in a 30-yard free kick at the cottage earlier this season. There's lots to like about this move, Dean. I, I am sceptical that any move is going to be done around the 30 million mark that's been touted at the moment, considering Southampton have a lot of money to raise across the profile of this squad. Mate, I think he'll go for more than 30 million pounds. This is Southampton's poster boy. This is the guy that they've built this, the whole club around. He's contracted till 2026. I don't, I don't think Southampton are going to be letting this guy go cheap especially if they do manage to get 40 odd million pounds for Lavia which they're trying to do right now so I think that we need to bear that in mind um I, I saw at one point someone I think it was linked with Liverpool at one stage as somebody said uh there was a report that they were hoping they could get him for 25 and Southampton like well that's absolutely not going to happen no um also got to consider I think Ward Prowse is on upwards of a hundred thousand pounds a week at Southampton typically ain't going into that territory too often. I think Mitro's up there and Burnt Leno might be up there, but we don't we don't um, bring in players typically on that much. Um, when I, when I was looking at what Ward Prowse earned, it actually got me thinking, what does Palinia actually earn at Fulham? Like, uh, And suddenly that got me a bit worried because all the <laughs> everything I saw says that Palinia's on 50 grand a week and I've never checked it out before. But I was like, if Palinia is on 50 grand a week, we need to double that immediately just to make sure this guy's happy. I don't, I don't want James Ward Prowse coming in on 100 grand a week and Palinia finding that out because he's a much better footballer. Mate, I don't like this. I don't. I, after watching James Ward Prowse last season, and knowing how many Southampton fans actually felt that he was part of the problem at Southampton last season, I don't really like it. Like, look, if he could come on and take set pieces, then fine, that would be great. Like, because he's one of the best dead ball experts there is in the game. 
But, you know, the, the initial story on this said West Ham want Fulham's Jalpalina to replace Declan Rice, which would then see the Cottagers line up James Ward-Prowse. No, absolutely not. I, I cannot handle that. James Ward-Prowse cannot come in as a replacement in this squad for Palinia under any circumstances. Additionally, possibly I can get my head around that. I don't, I don't mind the idea of James Ward-Prowse being part of this Fulham squad. But as you say, it's a lot of money to invest. Wages are going to be high. And what's the player's motivation at this point? I mean, look, I, I reckon he's probably still in the back of his head, got the Euros in, in the back of his mind. Yeah, like any probably player, in the forefront of his mind. Never mind well, the back yeah. of his head. He's got a long way to go, I think, to, to, to be in that squad. But of course, he, he should be thinking along those lines. Um, Southampton probably accepts that he's not likely to want to stay in the championship but they can't let him go without getting good value. He's been linked with West Ham. As I say, Liverpool too. Um, the West Ham interest is definitely real. And to me, that seems exactly the sort of transfer that they're likely to make once they get out of Declan Rice. Like they're going to sign a player like Ward-Prowse with the money that they end up bringing in. So I think that's something to bear in mind too, that this might not even move forward until that Declan Rice transfer uh, is sorted out. Because I think Ward-Prowse himself will want to have options here. Uh, but additionally, I spoke to someone uh, that that works closely and covers Southampton just to ask him what he thought of James Ward-Prowse leaving. And he said, look, obviously fans like to believe that he could end up staying. It is unlikely. But what I would say is I can't see him moving that far. So London will probably appeal. He was, I think he was linked to Newcastle as well at one point. He's like, just can't really see it. So London, I think, probably has the greatest appeal. So we'll see. Yeah, it's something worth bearing in mind. Joe, I mean, there was a report from this a couple of days ago from The Independent uh, and the brilliantly named Nick Masheter, uh, lock up your toilets, hat tip, hat tip Drew Heatley uh, of this parish. Um, But it it did suggest that, well, Prowse is weighing up his options. Uh, There was suggestion that Brentford had been in the conversation, but Will Prowse didn't see himself going to Brentford. Couldn't bear to wear more red and white stripes, you'd imagine being the key element uh, of that one. But, you know, those rumours suggesting that he might favour a move to Fulham if that was on the table, is something positive to take off this in the fact that he clearly seems to see that there's something worth pursuing at the cottage at the moment. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, what a way to endear yourself to the Fulham fans to join by rejecting Brentford. I mean, wonderful start. Um, I do agree with what everyone else has said in terms of set piece is fantastic. Everything else, is he an upgrade? Um, I'm not so sure. Um, and I'm definitely not so sure for that price or upwards of that price, if that's what it came to. Um, I think that what makes me believe in this rumour slightly, at least to think that we're interested, is the fact of how reliant we are on set pieces um, and how many goals we scored from last season. And when you factor in Pereira's injury, and we're not sure at this point when he's back, um, you do have to wonder, are we looking to replace the void that we're going to miss in terms of his uh, delivery, not just talking direct free kicks, but the actual corners, the actual crosses from free kicks. Um, It's an interesting one. I do think that we'll probably try and fill that void with someone cheaper, considering that Pereira long-term is in Silver's plans, you'd imagine. Um, and maybe we'll come on to talk about another name that I think has been linked recently in a second. But um, James Ward-Prowse price, I think, would would rule anything out here, purely because when you see other rumours, we've been linked with players that 
uh, for far less value than this rumored price. And the price has apparently been prohibitive there. Um, I'm not sure that this is one that will go. But then you say about the Declan Rice deal, and I don't want to even think about Polina leaving. Um, if Polina was to leave, that is a big, big fee. And I don't know if we'd start looking at players like this. I definitely don't think we should start looking at players like this as a direct replacement because he's not. Uh, it's a completely different player. Um, but the same way that West Ham are being linked, I wonder if that's why we're being linked because teams think, oh, Fulham might have some money coming in soon. Hopefully, uh, in a weird sort of walked way, we don't because I would much rather Polina just stayed. Yeah, I think I think a lot of us would. I was like, just don't give us anyone else as long as we yeah. keep Polina. <laughs> everything will be fine. Jack, I, I think there's a couple of things that I would be a little bit more positive about uh, on this one. And I completely understand the reticence, shall we say, uh, around James Ward-Prowse. But he has been an iron man for Southampton. He has played so many minutes for this team. He tops pretty much all of their statistics in both attacking and defending. You know, he scored the most goals for them last season. He registered the highest uh, expected assists. He completed the most passes and crosses. He created the most shot-creating actions, goal-creating actions, most tackles, ball recoveries, interceptions. Every manager has spoken about his influence on the dressing room. And we spoke a little bit earlier and, and Dean mentioned it about the fact that, you know, players come in here with experience and we're looking at that that kind of 28 to 30 range in that they continue to be able to provide and, and understand the situation that Fulham find themselves in. Well, Prowse feels like a relatively good example of someone who would be able to do that straight away. Yeah, I, I think he'll come into a, an atmosphere at Fulham where we're quite buoyant, obviously, of the back of last season. And um, the season at Southampton was a bit of a disaster. But apart from that, he's been he's been more than competent in every season that I've seen him at Southampton before the, the last one. Um, I just think with this signing, like, or this rumour, people are getting blinded by the set pieces. And obviously, it's a, it's, it's a nice fix to have a penalty taker in Ward Prowse who would just tuck cool. everyone away and have a free kick threat. Although we have the likes of Pereira and Harry Wilson, um, he would obviously be the free kick taker, but I'm not sure he would offer much. I, I don't think he would be get everyone off their seats in terms of be a marquee signing or uh, a big, a big name player to come in. I think he, I don't even think he would necessarily get into our starting 11 right now. Um, if Jao Plini was to stay. Um, but it's a good it's a good bench option, but for the price that they're, they're, they're touting Southampton, I'd stay clear just to, um, unless um, something was to happen with Jao Polina. I don't necessarily think this would be a sign that would benefit us apart I've from really... a squat depth. I really didn't think that I was going to be the person hottest on James Ward Prowse here because I'm <laughs> I'm reticent about this signing. But wow, like I think I wasn't expecting this wall of negativity. I, I think it would be perfectly good signing. I think he would start for this Fulham team yeah, ahead of Harrison Reed. I'm being perfectly honest with you. You know, obviously old Southampton compatriots at academy level, um, old colleagues from down on the south coast. I I do fundamentally believe that James Ward-Prowse would start for Fulham if he came into this side. Um, Where? But uh, instead of Harrison Reid, I think he would start alongside Polina. And 
I think that there's enough there to to like about his his dynamics of movement. There's enough to like about his ball retention and his ball recovery. He gets around the pitch, as we say, he's almost never injured. I think that there's lots to like about James Ward Prowse. I too am reticent about the age profile. I'm worried about the fee. But I do think that if he came into the club to suggest that he wouldn't start is perhaps a, a tad of a stretch. The problem with it is, is like, he's, he's never been in worse form. Like, so you've never seen... Yeah, but that's what I mean. Su- even in a worse, even in the Southampton side that got relegated, he was by far and away, you know, the clear statistical leader for pretty much everything. But Lavia was their best player. Lavia was their best player. But their midfield was their best attribute. It was about the only thing that kept them above water for so long. Yeah, but I remember watching him, us against him and what he had, apart from the free kick, like he wasn't good. He really wasn't good that day. Um, I like, It's a really hard one to judge because like if you would have if taken that season out of the equation told me that Fulham was signing James Ward-Prowse, I'd think... What an unbelievable fit. Like, really nice bloke, top character, proper professional, really good technical uh, traits. Yeah, get him in. Like, absolutely. This is the this is the kind of player that actually at Fulham we love. You're right. Like, typically, I would be all over this transfer. It's just right now, because of what I've seen over the past, like, past season, I'm like, oh, he was kind of the problem as to why Southampton lost it and ended up going down. I don't want him bringing that into Fulham. We don't need we don't need that mindset coming into this squad right now. I want some people who are buoyant. I want I want people that have just won the, the Champions League or have just won the Conference League. Um, no, well, it's not going to happen. But yeah, it's um, it's just a strange moment to be going after a transfer like this. So I think that's probably the the problem with us getting too excited about it. If he signs, I'll probably get Wal Prowse on the back of one of my shirts. Yeah, exactly. The tide will turn very, very quickly. I mean, look, talking of nicking players off relegated signs, we've got a couple of others that have come up in the last couple of days. Brendan Aronson, potentially on loan from Leeds, says apparently a, a loan release clause in his contract if Leeds were to be relegated, which they obviously have, Dean. And also Yerry Mina, whose contract is up at Everton and will be available on a free. Now, Marco Silva signed Yerry Mina for... Everton. So there's a potential reunion with a former manager there on the cards. Yeah, yeah, I don't mind that one at all, actually. Um, I think if you're considering that Tosin's going to be going and you think think of bringing Mina in, think totally, totally fine. Not got a problem with that at all. I mean, the only scepticism I've got around the transfer happening is I have heard that um, they're still putting the feelers out for other clubs in Turkey and Saudi Arabia. Um, if that's the case, then we are not going to be competing in terms of the money available. And it's going to depend on what the player wants at this moment in his career. Does he want to be um, fighting for a, a starting spot in a, in a Premier League team, of a team that's going to be, be mid-table or below? Or does he want to go and cash in and, and try something new in a new culture? So that's probably going to be the main battle for Yeri Mina. Um, but as a player, like no problems with Yeri Mina at all. I really like him. Yeah, I think it's a, a really interesting one. What about Brendan Aronson? Because that one sort of popped up yesterday and there was a lot of excitement kicking around. Yeah, um, th- there is something in it. Uh, I think Fulham are just exploring it at the moment to see what the uh, possibilities are around that that clause um, of, it, of him leaving on loan. I really like Brendan Aronson. I think he, had a, he didn't have a good season at, at Leeds, but kind of fell victim to everything else that was going on I think you know it was a season which he expected to play uh, a full year under Jesse Marsh and 
you know, obviously like played, ended up playing under like four different managers, four different systems, um, lost all his confidence, didn't have a set role. Um, but I remember at the start of the season, you were thinking, right, this is a guy that's going to be pressing hard. He's going to be creating chances. Like if you think about Andreas sort of role, especially early on in the season, love Brendan Aronson to be filling in those sorts of gaps and, and, and making opportunities and linking up with Mitro and stuff. So I'm excited about the idea of Brendan Aronson. I know that Newcastle, I've kind of got him on a backup list at the moment in case they don't get like a James Madison or Sobersly. And if you're looking at a player who's being mentioned along those Side those sorts of names, then we're on the right lines. Um, seen him also linked with Aston Villa. It seems like there's a lot of crossover at the moment with Fulham and Aston Villa targets. I've seen quite a few, like anyone that's touted, it's like Fulham are interested and Aston Villa. It's like we're, <laughs> us and Aston Villa are basically on a par, even though they ended up just above us. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, I'm going to split these ones. I'll come to you first, Joe, on Brendan Aronson. I like this. Do you like this? Um, so it's grown on me because when I first saw this, I was a little bit like, oh, I, I'm not sure about this one purely based on, in particular, the second half of the season that he had at Leeds. Um, and I spoke to someone that I know that is a Leeds fan um, when this rumour came about yesterday. And I said, you know, what, what do you think about him? What do you think about him as a player? And he's basically said he doesn't know what happened post-World Cup, um, but he basically form fell off a cliff. Um and he said that, to be honest, that was the same with pretty much everyone in our squad. So I don't know how much you can read into it. Um, I remember that when we played them in the league game at the Cottage, there was a point when Aronson broke uh, beyond our midfield and it was basically one-on-one with Tosin. Um, and it looked like his confidence was completely shot. He didn't want to take him on. Um, and that worries me slightly, but the technical quality that he's got and work rate, I would say as well, will be key factors here. I think that I remember his goal against um, Chelsea at the start of the season uh, when it was Mendy's mistake was purely just based on work rate and closing down. And I'm sure that's the type of player that Marco Silva would love to have in the squad. And again, this is what I was hinting at earlier when I said, if we're going to be replacing that Pereira gap, it does seem like quite a cost-effective way of doing so with a lone player um, in the 10, you know, We've got the full America sort of tradition. It makes sense. Is this a marketable thing as well for our tour next month? Perhaps that'll get a few other fans on board, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like it's one that makes sense. It doesn't get me off my seat in terms of thinking, oh, this signing is going to take us to the next level. But in terms of building out our squad and replacing that void that is left with Pereira's injury and having some more competition in the 10, I do think it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, look, he's versatile, although I, I will stress that I don't particularly like Brendan Aronson wide. I, I think he feels like a kind of 10 player who could maybe do a job at eight if you were right on top of a game. Uh, and he played a little bit deeper for the USMNT recently uh, in the in the absence of Western McKenney and that fine Nations League final and was actually very, very good from a deeper role. So credit where it, it's due. Uh, it feels like the kind of player that, that Marcus Silva could get a tune out of, I think. And, and, and that's what I like about it. His work rate and, and earlier in the season under Jesse Marsh, you know, obviously that role was kind of tailor-made for him. He felt like a, he was a league leader in terms of creating chances. He did feel like he had that spark. And I think a lot of people are remembering the Brendan Aronson that we saw later on in the season, which is a very different kettle of fish, perhaps, to to what we saw under under Jesse Marsh. We'll go to Jerry Mina, or Jerry Mina, I believe it's actually pronounced. Wiser Jays, apparently, in Colombian. Um, so we'll go to Mina. And Jack, what do you think about this? Because 
there are plenty of positives about this. Goal-scoring defender. We've talked about set pieces being a big part of Fulham's arsenal before. He's a player with pedigree, um, who Marcus Silva has obviously liked in the past. I am concerned about his injury record, but on a free, it feels like relatively smart business. Yeah, I, I can't really knock a free transfer, to be fair. Um, last season, he played seven games, four of which were after the turn of the year. So, since, Sorry, five of which were after the turn of the year. He played the uh, away defeat to West Ham, 90 minutes. He was on the bench all the every game up until uh, they played that Brighton game where they won 5-1. Then he scored against Wolves in the last minute of the game to basically contribute towards survival. Sorry, in between that, they lost to Manchester City. Uh, which, That's okay. We'll, we'll forgive him. That. Yeah, and then he scored against Wolves, and then he was in. He played ninety in the game they they beat Bournemouth the last day of the season. So, you know, his last contributions. You know, four games, three unbeaten, one loss to the champions, Manchester City. Not too bad going. Um, I sort of would like Mina to come in, but play that sort of Duffy role this season. Not be a direct replacement for if Tosin leaves. Um, playing alongside Diop or Ream. Um, I think that there is an opportunity for us to get a better quality centre-back in a bit, maybe a bit younger, like we were saying earlier, the, the profile of players need to be a little bit younger. Um, and I, I I wouldn't knock it. I mean, if he's worked with Marcus Hill before, he, he knows him well and, and that bodes well. Um, but as, as, a, as a fourth choice centre-back, which is where I'm placing him right now, um, it's it's okay. I, you can't really knock a free, like I said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A bit of a cult hero as well at Everton. So mm. we could bring another one in to replace the cult hero leaving in the form of, of, of Shane Duffy. Um, a couple of other ones just to finish off our incomings and then we'll, we'll flip after the break to talk about else. Max Aaron's linked recently and, and the Fred saga seems to rumble on, Dean. There's... Little bits and bobs here and there about Fulham and Manchester United haggling over a price, but he very much does feel up for sale. Whether they can find a compromise on on that figure is, is a different question. Max Aaron's intrigues me, though, because obviously ready to leave Norwich after you know exploding onto the scene and then finally sort of coming away from it, going back to the championship, being pretty stable, secure in, in that role. But it does feel like he's a kind of player who's ready for his next step in his career. Yeah, he's always quite fancy going abroad is something that I've heard. So I'll be interested to see if that happens. I mean, I remember Bayern Munich was serious about him in, in 2021 and they, and they looked into a deal then and it actually looked like that might happen at one point. Didn't quite and he's kind of fallen off the radar a little bit since then. But uh, Max Ahrens is a really, really good player. Um, be interested if that was genuinely seen as competition at right back or if uh, there was anything in, in Kenny Tete genuinely looking to um, see if he could um, upgrade at all this summer. I hope not. I'd rather see Tete stay, to be honest with you. In terms of Fred, look, I mean, obviously this transfer room has gathered a lot of pace because Marcus Silva was literally seen talking to him. So like that's going to that's gonna um, build it up. I think that there are a couple of factors that make me sceptical about uh, it happening. I mean, firstly, I think United have to be a little bit careful right now about letting players out before they've got anyone in. Um, clearly, their transfer window is not going well right now until anybody's actually lined up. They have to be a little bit careful. Also, if Fred goes, I will be amazed if he does not end up in Saudi Arabia. I'm not sure I can think of many players 
more fitted in terms of profile, contract situation, everything to being ready to go and try that and having huge amounts of money uh, thrown at him. So I am absolutely braced for the Fred Saudi Arabia story uh, to crop up. Look, if, if he's genuinely comes to Fulham, We've got a Brazilian midfield of him and Andreas to look forward to at some point next season. Or a, full, a, a full Lucifone midfield of Polinia, Fred, oh and Oh, my goodness. <laughs> there you Mate, go. total football down at the cottage. We've got, we've got something to look forward to here. I actually quite like Fred. I, I, like, he's, I think, to be honest, he's been um, disrespected at times in his Man United career. Um, he's been, definitely fallen to be a victim of, of Twitter and stuff, and that's gathered and gathered and gathered and pace and... I feel a bit, felt a bit sorry for him at times. I think he's a really good player. And again, Fulham sometimes is seen as a club whereby you can like regroup and you just go to a club whereby you've actually got a second chance and the fans aren't that harsh on you and they, they give people new opportunities. And absolutely, I think that Fred would get that chance in this team. So yeah, I, I quite like it personally. Uh, just to mention somebody else that, that might become available that uh, isn't talked about yet. But Sander Burge um, has been potentially made available at Sheffield United. Now, Fulham were in for him in the past, like quite quite strong as well. January, right? Um, yes, January. But even before that, he got a really bad hamstring injury a while back. can't remember the exact date of it. It was at least a year ago, maybe 18, even 18 months. But he had a bad hamstring injury and teams became a bit concerned about how he would recover from that. Now, actually, his, his playing time has been good at Sheffield United. He got 34 starts last season. I'm told his playing style has altered a little bit. Um, but if he's available at £10 million and Fulham have liked Sander Burge for a long time, Sheffield United struggling to sign him down to a new contract, it wouldn't surprise me if Fulham looked to find some good value around that. So just one perhaps to look out for. Um, I can speculate on this show a bit more than I can uh, when I'm writing stuff or reporting things about getting in as much trouble. So um, I'll, I'll throw that one out there just in case it pops up on the radar and then we can claim it as a, a later date as an exclusive or just sweep it under the car if it doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. The uh, the merry-go-round continues. Jack, I, I quite like Sander Verge and have done for a long time. Now, obviously, as Dean mentioned, his game is slightly adapted this year. It's less of the kind of deep-lying patroller that we've seen in, in, in recent years and he's been a little bit more forward-thinking. But I think that if you're looking at a player around 10 million, then I don't think you can go particularly wrong with Verge. No, it's terrific value for the player because um, we were touted to, in January, we were linked with him for 20. Um, so to get a cut price from him would be excellent. I'm, I'm quite surprised um, because not only Sander Berg's been linked with a move away from Sheffield United, but Liman and Jai as well. And they're basically uh, Sheffield United's two best players and heading into a Premier League season. That is, well, I don't know, really know what they're playing at, but fair enough. Um I, contract situations, I think. Yeah, yeah, no, fair enough. They've got no money, basically. Yeah, honestly, and good, good luck to Sheffield United next season. I'm looking forward to playing them home and away. But um, Sander Berg has always been a player that I've quite liked since he's joined um, Sheffield United. He looks really decent, and actually, I think he'd be a good fit down at Fulham. Um, obviously, it's going to take a lot for him to displace Jao Polinia, um if he stays. But, but no, I'd, I'd, I'd really like him. I'd actually be really keen to sign him, actually. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's good cover as well, just in case of those positional issues and the yellow cards that we know are coming. Uh, I'll go back to, to Fred, because, Joe, I, I know that this is this is one that's interested you. 
I like this one a lot. I really hope it happens. <laughs> uh, I think that last day of the season performance has has swayed me. Um, that part you're not you're just, doing the not you're doing the, the problem thing, Joe, where you're signing a player basically off the back of an international yeah. tournament. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm signing off the back of an absolute. You're doing game. a Zredenek um, Grigera, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, oh, that that could have been a lot better if he didn't get injured, by the way. Um, but I feel like Fred is the reason that I wasn't as hot on James Ward-Prowse earlier, because if you ask me who I'd rather to replace Harrison Reed, which is probably out of the three positions, the one that we are trying to upgrade. And I think you saw that with the signing of Lukic in January as well. Um, I, I would rather have Fred. Um, and it's not just based on that last day of the season, despite me going on about it. I think that he is a good player. I think that he's a big upgrade for us in that position. Um, and I think that he's just got that sprinkling of quality that we could really use. Um, I think that Reed's had a great season and it would be harsh to displace him. But I think if we want to improve, um, that is an easy way of doing it if we can upgrade him. Um, I think that... Um, also, he's, I would just add to that, that he's risen to the challenge. Yeah. Of everyone oh. who's come in. So, you know, you continually raise the level of player, you know, who's competing with him for the slot. And I think you continually raise Harrison Reed's level as well. So this isn't necessarily a, oh, it has to be a straight replacement, I don't think. But if you kind of go, right, okay, prove it again. <laughs> and he's proved yeah. it every time. And it's time. just like exactly. almost assigning for that midfield slot, but the same way that Lukic most likely was. I mean, since Lukic has come in, he hasn't had a sniff. Um, and that is mostly down to Harrison Reed. He hasn't had a chance to nail his position down in the team, even when Polina was injured, even when he started at uh, Anfield or Old Trafford and did fine. Uh, it's just that Reed's performances have been so good. And you're completely right, Jack. Um, if we can add another player into that position, it benefits all of them um, because they know they will have to fight even harder for that place. Um, I also wonder if, and I've been debating about Pereira's injury a lot, so it's a bit. Uh, void if he comes back sooner than I expected but for example if we started the season with Pereira still out and you know you go to places like the Emirates and the Etihad do you have two uh, eights in Fred and Reed as an example to make it slightly more solid it, it just gives you a little bit more uh, room for manoeuvre and obviously you know if Fred doesn't come off or James or Prowse or Sander Burge you know you've got Lukic who can also do that role but having the midfield depth would be wonderful and I think that Fred would be uh, a great addition. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. All right, just uh, one for one for the board. Just before we uh, we close, is the link to Altenaka, who is currently at Fortuna Düsseldorf in the Zweite Bundesliga, the second tier of German football. It feels like a bit of a rogue move, but I do like it. I like it, and he's a player who obviously people haven't seen loads of. I haven't seen loads of. I haven't watched all that much Fortuna Dusseldorf. Um, but when this link came out, I watched a little bit of tape and it's another sort of similar profile, I think, of midfielder to these Fred links, to these Ward-Prowse links. He's played for Japan in the, in the World Cup. He scored a very, very important goal um, for them against Germany, I believe, to, to win that game and, and help them to progress. And you kind of look at it and you look at the, the kind of things around it. The Fortuna Dusseldorf sporting director has come out and said that, you know, he didn't really feel like playing in the second division. He's come and he's put in a really good shift over the last year. But if the right offer comes in, then, you know, we'll happily let him go because he deserves to be, you know, kicking on with his career. So I just think it's an interesting one to keep an eye on. Um, and, you know, just we've seen that there have been this kind of influx of, of, of Japanese players, I think, across the continent that have just continually done well and obviously people will look at Karam Matoma at, at Brighton but I think that just generally the 
way that the Japanese players, especially in the J League, come through with this kind of technical ability uh, and this ability to to maneuver the ball. The work rate is incredible, and, and Tanaka is another example of this. I, I think that you know, without going into too many league stereotypes, he fits that bill in, in midfield. He's tenacious. He carries the ball. He does work both boxes. I really like him. And I think that if that price is right and relatively low, and I think it probably would be if you're looking at signing out of the Zweitzbundesliga, then I, I think that might be a very interesting option. Although I think with these names linked, it's probably a backup option at this point. Uh, but with that, I think we're going to take a break. And after the break, we're going to be looking at some of, well, the less exciting stories, I suppose, the flip side of this window, the players and potentially managers who could be on the way out. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast. We're here discussing all the latest transfer news here on the Transfer Show. I'm Jack Collins and I'm joined by Dean Jones, Joe Sansom and Jack Kelly. Let's talk about the outs and the potential outs. And it's never something that we like discussing, but here we are. And I think the headline news is how this is kind of, well, headlined by the managerial question mark that hangs over Fulham. Now, obviously, Marco Silva's contract, Dean, has been a little bit of a question mark for some time. There have been rumours in the last week that there might be movement in the Saudi Pro League in terms of trying to get Marco Silva in to manage one of the clubs there. It's not the kind of rumour you want to be hearing, really, at this point. No, no, and um, it's Al Hilal. I think is the is the, is the club. Um, is is tough, isn't it? I mean, most of us don't even associate the different clubs at the moment. It's just he's gone to Saudi Arabia. We haven't really got to grips with like who plays for who yet. But I think that's where uh, Silver's being targeted. Um, the problem that makes you nervous with Marco Silva is he's obviously moved for money before and he's he's got a little bit of a reputation going against him that, well, he loves money. He loves he loves a bit more money, doesn't he, Marco Silva? He's jumped ship before and it's going to always cause a bit of nervousness. Now, I, I did check it out just to see if there was any feeling that he might genuinely do this. At the moment, there's not. Um, but it's, it's tempting big players at the moment and the next phase, um, as I said to you on our other podcast that uh, on, on Ranks FC, was that the next phase for Saudi Arabia, once they get start getting these big players through, is to start getting big managers through the door to manage these teams. And that's where we are now getting to. Like They are starting to talk to other managers about where... Who they can get, they're going to they're going to aim for everyone. They're going to go for the Premier League. And Marco Silva, to be honest, is quite an obvious target to aim for. Um, he feels like somebody that they would believe is is gettable, and so it does worry me a little bit. I'm not going to lie, um, because there aren't really any other options within England right now. Um, if he's going to go, and yeah, the only other thing that I would think could tempt him might be money and the other worry I'd have if he did end up going to Saudi Arabia is he'd start taking up players with him so I really really do not want this to happen um, I just really want him to sign a new contract with us it's actually really starting to annoy me now that this is still dragging on it, it felt like one that should have been solved a long time ago and I don't really understand why it would still be dragging on I can't, I can't figure out what would need to be sorted. Like, is it is it just the terms of the finances that Fulham are going to pay him? Or is he really, really considering his options here? I, when West Ham were in for him, it did genuinely sound like there was 
substance to that and that he might go if if it opened up. So that makes me think that if the right offer did come, then he could be tempted. I just can't bear the thought, especially now as we're getting towards July of us losing our manager before next season. Like it just, it just could ruin so much. You saw what happened to Leeds as soon as they decided to get rid of Bielsa. I mean, I know that was their decision and not his, but it still ruined everything for them. And that is basically what you situation you'd be left in now, wondering what a new manager would do with our group of players. Yeah, I mean, Jack, one of the things that concerns me is the idea that it's not necessarily about the personal finances on this one. It's about the ambition of the club in the transfer market and what Fulham have to spend this window in order to continue progressing and whether those things are holding this up. Because if it is those things, you know, as has been rumoured and speculated upon, it doesn't only bode badly for the future of Marco Silva, but it also kind of adds an extra question mark over all of the deals that we've just discussed in that what do Fulham have to spend this summer and can we kick on from what was an incredibly successful season last year? Mm, and that's the biggest worry. The uh, the triple S second season syndrome is something that I've mentioned, Joe's mentioned a few times uh, in the last few months. Um it's annoying because Silva basically picked us off, of, off the floor when Parker left and um, kept Mitrovic, got us uh, promoted by winning the championship. And the thing about Marco Silva is he's got the best out of every single player, nearly every single player that's joined or come through or already been there at the club since he's joined. And um, I think if, you know, it's, it's, it's always been a factor at Fulham. Slavisi Kanovic had this issue, Park had this problem where if there was a disagreement upstairs, they would make their feelings known one way or another. And I just do wonder whether if there is a situation like you've just described, whether that's making Silva sort of think about his options. And um, I think he'll maybe feel frustrated because he knows there's so much potential in this squad and there's so much potential to move forward and, and progress. But if there are certain limitations and restrictions in that, in the finances or... I don't know, any sort of circumstances, then that's going to actually, you know, be very frustrating. And um, I sit here now thinking, but by now, we, me and Joe were saying that surely the contract will be signed right at the end of the season. It's like a big old, you know, we finished 10th, here's, here's the new contract, we can't wait for next season. And yet, you know, we sit here at the end of June and we, we're none the wiser as to what's going to happen. There's links to Saudi Arabia and, and we're all getting quite nervous. And I think you could tell from the tone of my voice that I am very scared uh, because I think he's, you know, we're, we're alongside Paulinho and Mitrovic, Mark Silver is our biggest asset. He's, he's our most valuable person at the club. Um, he's achieved so much in, in two years. And I do think we are ready to make that next step forward. And without him, uh, that, that might be delayed by years. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I almost don't want to bring this up, Joe, but I'm going to have to because it feels like the only natural thing to do that if this was to go wrong, where do Fulham turn? Because this is such a difficult position to fill and it's such a strange kind of duality, I suppose. You have to have the tactical know-how, but also the ability to bring players under your spell quite quickly. And, you know, you're looking at managers... <laughs> And I'm not suggesting that Fulham would only be able to turn to managers out of work, but you're looking at the you know the kind of freelancers, I suppose, on the market, and there there are a couple that jump out. Obviously, Graham Potter jumps out. 
mm-hmm. you know, for his work at, at Brighton. And there is a kind of bittersweet element to the over the could you turn it around at, at the rivals of the club that you you were so roundly mocked at it's very um rob edwards going to luton and getting them promoted after uh, after being sacked by watford the other one that jumps out at me is Marseille gallardo who was in the talks for the marseille job that seems to have fallen through he's done a wonderful job at river plate he's one of the most exciting managers i think in world football right now um and is said to favor a move to the premier league i, I wonder I wonder if that's something Fulham would explore if this was all to go sour. Yeah, well, when you first said that and I was racking my brain, I think Graham Potter was the first one that came to mind, although it may just be to do with the fact that how recently he was let go by Chelsea. Um, I think what worries me about Silver going the most, and hopefully it doesn't happen, but you know, I said to Jack, as he's just said that, you know, oh, if it's not sorted by the end of the season, I'll worry. If it's not sorted by the start of June, I'll worry. Mid-June, end of June. So I'll give it next week until I have complete and utter head loss. I think the problem that we've got is that last summer when we started signing, in particular the players that were taking us to Premier League level, they all cited Silver as a big, big reason, similarly to the way that a lot of Arsenal linkies are speaking about Arteta talking about the project, you know, if the head of the project goes, does everything fall apart? And I really hope not, but I hope that that wouldn't be, you know, the nail in the coffin for Polina looking elsewhere, for Pereira, for Leno, for anyone like that. And it's all a bit doom and gloom. This is worst case scenario stuff. You know, Silver, if he doesn't sign a new contract, he still does have another year. It's just whether he would jump ship. Um, And we've seen before that he can do that, but would he want to ruin the reputation that he's regained in England after it was, let's face it, tarnished by what happened going from Watford to Everton? Um, fingers crossed. But I, I'm a bit concerned at how quiet it is. And I do feel like, I said on Twitter, that um, I feel like that's holding everything else up in terms of Willian contract, in terms of everything. Um, so hopefully it gets resolved soon either way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's uh, it's one that hangs over us, and it's the kind of thing you know what we're talking about. But it, but it is the kind of thing that I suppose we have to discuss. Um, Nagelsmann's still out of work, mate. Nagelsmann's still, still out of work. Yeah, we'll, we'll bring we'll bring the skateboarding <laughs> German in. That'll be that'll that'll work for us, I'd imagine. Especially after he that'll turned do down me. Spurs, that. that would do me. Um, right, a couple of exits, Dean. Um, is there anything new on João Palinha? Is there anything new on Anthony Robinson, who's been linked with a move away for? sort of 35 million euros-esque this week. Tosin Adrobio, uh, and one that I suppose has genuinely come out this week is Marek Rodak's potential links to Leeds, who look like they're going to be part in company with Ilan Meslier in the second tier. Yeah, I think um, Rodak might end up going. I think that that's, uh, that's got some truth to it. So, um, yeah, uh, wouldn't wish to stand in his way at all if if he was to look for more first team opportunities um don't think he's going to be getting too many of those in the premier league as we move forward and wouldn't really mind us looking for a different model of backup to, to leno as we go so yeah wouldn't uh, resent that at all i mean robinson's an interesting one yeah he's been linked with uh newcastle at, at 35 uh, million pounds it's um Newcastle wouldn't pay that, I believe. Like they weren't, they weren't willing to go thirty million pound for Kieran Tierney. So I don't think that they would pay thirty-five million for Anthony Robinson if that's where we were valuing them at. So if you're hoping that Robinson stays, then there you go. He's probably being priced out of a move 
right now. Uh, Man City have been linked in the past with Robinson. To be honest, though, City have basically moved beyond that model of fullback. Um, if you look at what City are, are doing right now and willing to cash in on Cancelo, willing to let Kyle Walker leave the club and then they're going to go and sign Gvardiol, they're basically happy to have centre-backs that can that can play out um, as fullbacks that aren't actually really playing as defenders half the time. So Man City's model change has probably restricted uh, Robinson's path uh, down there. And so, yeah, I don't think there's going to be that many avenues for them to explore um, in terms of Anthony Robinson. So not too worried about that right now. Um, and to be honest, like Anthony Robinson really, really won me over last season. I was very concerned coming into the season that Robinson um, was going to get exposed at times. But I was really pleased with with his improvements actually throughout the season. And, and I want to see this version of him continue at Fulham. I think it's beneficial to him too, to know that he's coming on so well at the club um, and it's an environment that suits him. So I think he'd be slightly wary of where he would go next. Uh, Palinia, pleased to say that there's nothing uh, especially new. Um, West Ham fans seem pretty confident that they could just land him. Uh, if, if Declan Rice goes, there, there really does seem... This like, well, we'll go and get we'll go and get Palinia from Fulham and then we'll see what else we can do. I'm like, no, no, you're not just going to come and take Palinia. I absolutely guarantee it. I, I, I loved the £90 million story. Absolutely loved it. Um, not sure I believe <laughs> you're going to get £90 million for Palinia. But you've got to price him up there because the, the prices that are being touted to other people for the people in these positions right now, uh, in Caicedo and Declan Rice, are ridiculous, and that's because they're so important to their to their clubs. Um, the problem is, I guess, you've got the flip of it where where a Lavia might go for forty million pounds, and then you have to consider that you might have to land somewhere in the middle with Palinia if he was to go. But no, nothing, nothing to report, mate. So that's a positive. If every week I'm here and say, nope, haven't haven't heard it yet, I'll take it all the way to the end of August. Yeah, and beyond, hopefully, and beyond. Uh, and Joe. Forever. I mean, I think there are some interesting bits and bobs there, but Rodak for me is the one that, that's interesting. And I, I think he deserves his shot at being a number one. I wouldn't begrudge him a move to Leeds if, if, if that one does seem to go through. No, for the sake of his own career, I think that um, he should leave just to get first team football. I mean, it's not enough to play the cup games. And let's face it, that's only the early rounds as well. If we get further than that, Leno probably comes in anyway. So um, he's definitely good enough to play for a... a top end championship team um, and then hopefully you know he, he can get promoted with them and then maybe have another crack at the Premier League in the future but um, you know no one's going to displace Leno and I think that uh, you know there was a very small link with us and Begovic as a backup goalie a couple of uh, days ago maybe last week well he's uh, just know, started a football academy in London so uh, want to keep an eye on that it all adds up. Get him in, first signing done. Uh, Marco Silva era continues. But yeah, I mean, look, as a backup, you know, he, w- he would be absolutely fine. And that's realistically what we're looking for. Um, also wouldn't be against it being someone a bit younger as a long-term Leno successor. That's probably the the wiser decision. But if we can't, then Begovic as a stopgap is absolutely fine as well. Yeah, well, I think also it gives an opportunity for the youngsters in the academy to make a to make a mark and 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 to see what happens there. Obviously, it looks like George Wickens is going to sign a new contract, so uh, th- there's hope in the in the future in that one. Jack Anthony Robinson, I think Dean's probably right. There will be interest because he's been exceptional this season, but he's got his own career and international career as well to think about. And starting every week for Fulham seems like a pretty good level for him to be at right now. I think in Europe. 
yeah, I think he's in a good place uh, considering where he's come from and, you know, what happened. Everyone always mentions that the move to AC Milan didn't quite work out for him. I think that um, the way he's picked up his career and at Fulham and, and especially the last season, he's been excellent. And, and actually, you know, when you when you talk about all these players who are linked with a move away, it's it's the first time where I've really gone, apart from Tosin, I don't really want to lose any of these players because because the continuity in this squad is is excellent. And even if you lost Robinson, let's say he was the only player we lost out of that first 11, that would that would unbalance the team, I think. Um, the way the system is, the way we play, Robinson's so key. So we have to slap a massive price tag on him. Um, I'd be amazed if someone paid 35 million and he went, but um, I've been really impressed with Robinson, the way he links up with, at first it was Cabano, then it was Willian. I've been more than impressed and watching him just bullet down, um, you know, the left-hand side is, is, is honestly a joy. His, 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 his final delivery is, is not always brilliant. And there was that mistake he made last season against Arsenal when we conceded. That was quite frustrating. Um, apart from that, he's had a stellar season. He deserves a move. Sorry, he deserves he deserves to be linked with these sort of moves. I don't think he should be going anywhere, though. Hopefully not. <laughs> no, agreed. Agreed. I was a little bit worried. I was like, I was what? You scared, you, scared <laughs> you scared me. You scared yourself. <laughs> Joe's face dropped. Dean was like, what? Uh, so, you um, literally just sold Anthony Robinson live on air. I don't know. <laughs> it was terrifying. Terrifying <laughs> moment you know. for everybody. And yeah. on that bombshell, I think we're probably going to call this a day. So all that's left for me to do is to say thank you so much to Mr. Jack Kelly. Thank you, Jack. Cheers. Thank you very much to Mr. Joe Sansom. Cheers, Jack. Thanks, guys. And thank you very much to Mr. Dean Jones. Cheers, mate. I've been Jack Collins. This has been the Fulhamish Transfer Show. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in as ever. We'll be back later in the week with another episode of Fulham Folklore. If you haven't checked out the first episode of that, which was all about Rennie Merlinstein's time at Fulham as manager, then it's well worth your time. Thank you for listening as ever, and we'll see you very shortly. You whites.